The Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 130 and can be found in your pew Bibles on page 573. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This is the word of the Lord. I should have mentioned at the beginning that today is uh, junior church, and so quite a large number of our children, in fact, all of our children and, and a large number of adults are over at the Canton Shula this morning. And even though they are not present here today, they are very much a part of us, and uh, I hope you will remember them as we uh, worship together. Our scripture reading, our New Testament reading, is from uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians. And I invite you to follow along if you would like. It's found on page uh, 189. The letter uh, itself is a, uh, a wonderful letter to read in its entirety. We can't do that on Sunday morning, even though uh, it would be wonderful to do that. And so what I want to say is that Paul constructs an argument that uh, uh, takes up more space than our uh, five or six verses this morning. Uh, But what we're going to do is uh, read an excerpt from a much longer and inspiring uh, argument that Paul makes. So uh, Galatians chapter 3, beginning with verse 23. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, dear friends of Jesus Christ, this is the time of year when preachers in the U.S., which is where I am from, are expected to say something about freedom. In the days leading up to the 4th of July, there is always a a strong expectation that preachers will say something about freedom and how good it is to uh, live in a a free land and how blessed and privileged we are because of that freedom and so on. There was a a Baptist church in the city where I moved from most recently which had a very large uh, 4th of July celebration in worship each year. Members of my church would become Baptists for a day uh, so that they could participate in this uh, service. Uh, I never went, of course, because I had my own service to lead. 
but from what I've been told, Fourth of July worship at that Baptist church is, is quite impressive and, and memorable. A brass band, a large uh, brass band would uh, play in a uh, and an enormous American flag, as big as a, a football field, would be unfurled from the, the ceiling of the church. And, and uh, it's quite a celebration of freedom. And people uh, find it inspiring, and they look forward to it each year. Uh, but with all that is happening in the world, maybe it's time for us to think again about what freedom means. Uh, the mood among voters, as you know, is sour. Uh, people are not happy with their relationship with the state of the economy and actually the, the state of a lot of things. People are fed up, and this is true on uh, both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, people are in a mood to vote no on a lot of things, sometimes just because it feels good to vote no. Uh, you should know that when I chose to read our uh, New Testament reading for today, I did not have the Brexit vote in, in the UK on my mind. Uh, I, I chose it because this chapter from Paul's letter to the Galatians is a famous chapter. Uh, Galatians 3 verse 28 is a famous verse, and if you haven't committed it to memory, I encourage you to think about doing so. Uh, I chose this reading because it's interesting and it's important for us to revisit these important uh, chapters from the Bible. Uh, but then as I sat at my desk last week and, and prepared for today, I began to see something that uh, I had not expected to see and sometimes it's scary when this happens. Uh, what you heard in the verses I read and, and really, uh, much of Paul's letter to the Galatians can be described in this way. Uh, what you heard was Paul's reflection on freedom. Uh, you might not know this, but Paul reflected a great deal on the topic of freedom, what it means, where it comes from, what it looks like, what it feels like. Uh, for Paul, his whole life could be described as having been set free from the tyranny of the law. And he mentions this, uh, I, I think you'll agree if you're a faithful reader of the New Testament, he mentions this over and over again. So uh, what he's writing about here, I think, is worth a closer look. Uh, this could not be more timely. Right? What does it really mean to be free? Before I plunge into what the Bible has to say about freedom, I, I should remind you that freedom is on the minds of uh, a lot of people lately, not just in in, in Britain or uh, the U.S. in 2011, something that came to be known as the Arab Spring started in Tunisia and then spread across uh, North Africa. Uh, for a while, it looked as though people were overthrowing heavy-handed dictators and were going to work toward a more open future. Uh, how exciting. Uh, people in the West assumed that all you had to do was uh, get rid of dictators and then well, freedom would break out. And nowhere has that assumption proved to be more faulty than in Syria, where the rebels, as you know, some of them anyway, have turned out to be far more oppressive and far more scary than the regime they were seeking to overthrow. Uh, some of us are not all that interested in global politics. Some of us pay more attention to science than to politics, and I think I understand why. I'm tempted to start doing that myself. Uh, but even in science, the issue of freedom is in the news. Uh, 
in a variety of fields, especially those having to do with the study of the brain. Scientists are finding it harder and harder to believe that there is such a thing as free will. Uh, The cover story uh, on uh, the Atlantic Monthly Magazine for this month is titled, and and to me, this is shocking, there is no such thing as free will. Right? That statement would come as a big surprise to a lot of theologians over the centuries. If you want to know what the Bible has to say about freedom, the, the best place to start, of course, would be with the book of Exodus. Uh, Passover is, at its deepest and, and, and most fundamental level, a, a freedom festival. And there is none greater. The, that feast, as you know, recalls the time that God went down to Egypt and rescued his people from slavery. And over the years, Jewish people have remembered and savored this moment. And in many ways, Passover is the defining event in Jewish history. It should be no surprise to anyone anyone at all, that when Jesus brought his ministry to a conclusion, he chose Passover time. He chose Freedom Week. The the moment when all of Israel was celebrating what God had done among them and at the same time was praying for what God would do for them. So the message of Easter is that God had finally accomplished what he promised. The victory had been won. Our freedom is secure because of Christ's victory over sin and death. What the Exodus story tells us, however, and I'm I'm, uh, indebted to the the British New Testament scholar N.T. Wright for this insight, what what the Exodus story tells us is that you can take Israel out of Egypt, but it is a lot harder to take uh, Egypt out of Israel. As soon as the people are across the Red Sea, the complaining begins. And, and, And they complain for the next 40 years. They would gladly have traded their freedom for food and water, or so they said. So much for the miracle of deliverance. The Apostle Paul, who who writes about this theme over and over again, describes uh, uh, being in Christ as the new exodus. In his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, speaking of famous chapters to revisit and become familiar with, and, and verses worth committing to memory, In Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, you did not receive a spirit of slavery. Freedom doesn't mean going back to Egypt. In other words, to slide back into fear. You, he writes, have received the spirit of sonship. And and, and what he means by that is, is stop thinking like a slave and start thinking like a son or a daughter of God. That's his message. And I can't resist this other uh, reference to freedom. As I said, this theme is everywhere in in, in Paul's writing. Uh, Take a look at uh, Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. Uh, No early Christians embraced the idea of freedom as eagerly as the people in Corinth, as the Christians there. They found freedom to be intoxicating, sometimes literally. Uh, Their slogan was, uh, anything is lawful for me. Uh, if they had printed church bulletins every week, uh, as we did, they would have had their motto on the, the, the front page, and that motto would have been, all things are lawful for us, join us. Uh, or as our younger daughter used to say to her older sister, you're not the boss of me. And Paul wrote back uh, 
to the church at Corinth, having heard some troubling reports about what was happening there. And in surprisingly patient language, you don't find this kind of patient language often in Paul's writing, but but still quite forceful, he, he wrote, yes, maybe. But not all things are helpful. Not everything you do makes you a mature follower of Jesus Christ. So there you have it. This, This topic of freedom turns out to be far more complicated than we sometimes think. Being rescued from uh, slavery in Egypt or wherever you have been rescued from, we all have our rescue stories. Being rescued turns out to be just the beginning. Right? We, we have been rescued, yes, thanks be to God for that. It was wonderful, but oh, now what? What do we do with this gift, this precious gift of freedom that has been entrusted to us? I can't resist telling this story. I, I served a church uh, for a time in, in my home state of Michigan, and the church was next to a, a major university campus. It was immediately adjacent to it with more than 30,000 students. Uh, Most of them were between the ages of uh, 18 and 21. What could go wrong? And uh, in the U.S., unlike Switzerland, most university students leave home and they live on the campus or somewhere very close to it. And not surprisingly, leaving home for the first time and and, uh, not quite being an adult, uh, physically maybe, but not in other ways than landing in a a community of 30,000 or so people of the same age has some interesting consequences. Uh, My church at the time had a very active campus ministry, a a Christian outreach to students, and our campus minister, one of the best, uh, used to tell us some very good stories. Uh, One was that most students who had been raised in the church, who had gone to Sunday school and youth group and Uh, who stood in front of their congregations to be confirmed, uh, became unchurched on their first day on campus. In a few seconds, he said, all of their parents' careful training evaporated and was gone. They had found freedom. Freedom from the tyranny of parents, I suppose. (laughs) He also said, and and this had quite an impact on our uh, elders and, and members, as we uh, thought about campus ministry and and prayed for it, that with alcohol and drugs and sex available in almost unlimited quantities, the message of Jesus was a difficult one to deliver. Not impossible, but very, very difficult. When I was pastor of that church, I would park my car in a, a parking structure and then walk a few hundred meters to the door of the church. And I was surprised uh, every Sunday morning by what I had to step over to get to the door of the church. If you think the debris left behind at Stadelhofen on Saturday night is bad, you should have seen what I saw. It left a, a permanent impression on my mind. Tell me, what does freedom mean? What what, what does freedom mean to you? In other places in the same letter, this is Paul's letter to the Galatians, he begs them not to use their freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. That's how he puts it. Uh, Instead, he begs them to be slaves to one another in love. 
The question, of course, is what in the world does that mean? Right? Do you know? I mean, uh, do you know what it means to be slaves to each other? Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that Paul would choose uh, to use the word slave here in his discussion of freedom? Uh, And yet he does, and he chooses the word deliberately. This is the paradox of freedom. All freedoms generate new forms of slavery. If you use your freedom to dive headfirst into the life of, well, I don't know, let's say the life of a 21st uh, century American university student, then be prepared to be enslaved to those things. That's one choice, and, and I won't deny that lots of people choose it. And I won't deny that lots of people think about choosing it. Uh, they think about choosing it when their own life seem to be boring and, and uh, repetitive, when everyone else seems to be having so much fun and, and having so much pleasure in life. I mean, my life, by comparison, is so boring. <laughs> I mean, you would not believe how boring my life is. I hear about friends of mine having so much fun, people I have known all of my life, and I read about their adventures on Facebook, and I I, I see the photos, and they're sitting on the back of a boat, and they have a drink in hand, and little umbrellas in the back of the, in the in their drink, and and, and for reasons I don't know, and, and and they are laughing, and they are looking into the camera as if to say, "Look at what we have." And then, of course, I think about my own life, and it's so sad. <laughs> I feel as though my life is slipping away, and I, I, I'm getting older, and I, I, I sometimes think that I'm missing out on all of the action. Or maybe not. The, the alternative to what our culture likes to promote as freedom, and this is important, the biblical alternative is love which is the central Christian virtue. And what love means is enslaving yourself to other people, ma- making their needs your priority, making their sorrows your concern. Do you want to be free? The Bible asks. Then, for heaven's sake, learn to love. The whole law, Jesus once said, can be summarized in one command. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to experience true freedom, follow that one command. Love freely, love fully, love extravagantly. As extravagantly as God has loved you. I think the reason this is so difficult for us to accept is that we have been conditioned to think of freedom as the absence of rules and laws and constraints To be free means that no one tells you what to do. I am the boss of me. So when I say that freedom in Christ or or, or Christian freedom means following the rule of love, it hits our ear wrong. It, It doesn't sound quite right. And frankly, it does not sound appealing. And yet it's true. It's a paradox, and I'll grant you that, but it's true. The only way to be free is to enslave yourself to other people. I have enslaved myself to the person I am married to, 39 years as of this month. I have enslaved myself to the two children who are the result of that marriage, and now to their husbands as well. I am enslaved to a two-and-a-half-year-old girl who knows me mostly as a wrinkled face on her iPad, 
She calls me Papa, which in English means scary and old. <laughs> These are the people I have decided to be enslaved to. I did it freely. I did it joyfully, and I would gladly give my life in exchange for any one of theirs. Is this slavery? Well, yes, it is. Uh, it, Is it difficult? Sometimes it is. Let me just say that the honest answer is that some days are better than others. But I have chosen it. And I am committed to it. And I have decided to follow the rule of love. Christ has set me free for this life. Think of it this way, Paul writes. When, when you were young, your uh, disciplinarian, that's how the word is, is translated into English, Your disciplinarian told you what to do. When to get up, when to go to bed, what to eat, what to wear, and so on. And, and now you are free from your disciplinarian. But here's the thing. You learned well, and, and you learned some good habits, and you have internalized what the disciplinarian told you. And some days you even say to yourself, I, I think I've turned into my father, or, or my mother, or uh, whoever your disciplinarian was. I, I, I hear their words coming out of my mouth. And I would say, good. That's mostly a good thing. It means we have internalized the rules and the laws that have helped to make our lives productive and, and authentic. So here's the thing. If you have internalized the law of Christ, then, then you know how to act in any situation. No one has to tell you. The, I mean, the church doesn't have to tell you. Your pastor doesn't have to tell you how to act. Right? You already know because the law of love lives inside you. You are free to love others. You are free to enslave yourself to others. Right? I think the world we live in today desperately needs to be reminded of the way freedom works. Right? If we really want to be free. Amen. Will you pray with me? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for our brother Paul and for the struggles of his life which turn out to be so illuminating for our lives. We thank you for the law of love which you have placed in our hearts. And our prayer this morning is that you will uh, enable us to hear it and to live by it and to embrace it and to make it our own. Now help us to know the freedom that you have in mind for us. We pray this in Christ's name.